Welcome to the latest edition of the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, bringing you this special event episode, the decarbonisation debate at CMA Shipping 2021. The CMA Shipping 2021 exhibition and conference held in mid-October was one of the first large-scale events bring together shipping executives in person since the start of the pandemic. With so many leading executives from the North American shipping and maritime industries gathered together in a single location, CMA Shipping 2021 was a great opportunity to meet, exchange ideas, and do business one-on-one. Sea Trade Maritime News and the Maritime Podcast took the chance to talk with leading executives representing the entire maritime value chain and seek their views on some of the most important issues facing the industry today. Top of many people's agenda in shipping at present is decarbonisation, and in this special episode of the Maritime Podcast, you will hear from industry leaders about what they believe are the biggest challenges to be faced in the move to zero carbon shipping. First off, we hear from Lois Zabrocki, President and CEO of International Seaways Incorporated, who talks about future fuels and the outside pressures being placed on the industry. So one of the things that we're going to see happen, we're going to have a multi-fuel future. And one of the challenges on international shipping is that we are long voyages and that's a harder to abate sector. So for us, it's going to take more than just, you know, localized batteries. But, you know, now we're going to see different solutions, whether you're like a small coastal vessel or you're a deep sea going VLCC. And everybody has to innovate and really climb that curve. You know, what are we going to be able to most economically produce? And is it going to be methanol? Is it going to be ammonia? Is it going to be hydrogen? How quickly will we get there? You know, natural gas, like the ships that we're building that are dual fuel, really looks to have a very strong slice of the future energy pie for a prolonged period of time. I think that, you know, we're going to have COP26 in November, even though that's not direct upon us, we're IMO, the intensity and the pressure for the transition continues to ramp. As a world, we need to understand that we need to invest money and make it so that it's economic for us to have alternative fuels. It is a price that everybody can work together. And then once, once you get a technology that's really moving, that cost is going to come down and it's going to be competitive. Next up, you will hear from Morton Arnson, Executive Chairman, Team Tankers International, who focused on what happens to the existing fleet and then the ships of the future. It's hard to, to answer that simply. I'd say the first part is that the world still needs the existing ships around the water. So the first part is managing the transition of the ships on the water, which for owners means every year you have to make them more efficient, they have to have a smaller carbon footprint, and that means big capital investments on the ships, everything from special uh, propellers and ducts to new paints on the bottom, to using digital information to do better weather routing, to time your delivery in port, to use less power when you're, you're waiting to unload or take your cargo. So it's small things and big things. For the next generation, the zero emission vessels, they're not available in the shipyards yet. 
The first ones that'll come out will be ammonia-powered ships. MAN, the big engine manufacturer, has promised the world they'll actually have an engine available in two years. So the world will have a first shot at a zero emission vessel. And there's gonna to have to be a collaboration between owners and cargo who will put that into use. They'll figure out how it'll run and then gradually, if it works and it can find ammonia fuel priced competitively, that'll start coming to play. So that's the jump. There's the transition of things in the water, the jump to the new technologies. Now we hear from Jack Noonan, president of Binnacle Maritime, who will be well known to many listeners from his time in charge of Kembok. He also zeroes in on the challenges related to new buildings. I think the biggest challenge, you first have to look back at IMO 2020. The shipping industry was preparing for that for like five years. It seemed to be a slow mover. Once it hit, the changes are accelerating. So I think the biggest challenge is, you know, it takes a couple of years to build a ship. Will the ship be able to meet the carbon, decarbon standards once you build and contract a ship and go out? I think that's the biggest challenge, that you don't want to build something and, and on delivery it's obsolete already. Moving on to the regulatory aspect and innovation, we have Nicholas Makar, Vice President of Maritime Administration and Regulatory Affairs from International Registries Incorporated. Well, I think, of course, one of the main challenges is the available technology in order to enable the industry to reach the goals that are set forth by the IMO. So rather than moving from a prescriptive or a set way of approaching an issue, regulations are framed in a way that identifies essentially what standard needs to be met, but doesn't prescribe the means or the ways and how that standard is achieved. So a goal-based regulation certainly gives a lot of latitude and flexibility and allows for taking creative approaches to comply with requirements. For example, with the IGF code or the gas fuel chip code, it's a code that's developed specifically for utilization of low flashpoint fuels. But that code also has provisions within it to enable development of alternative fuels. Continuing on the theme of regulation, we heard from Anthony Teo, head of the Americas for a right ship, talking about the need for transparency and a clear regulatory pathway. I think most of the stakeholders here in uh, the conference, I think they are challenged by the technology as well as how do they go from here to decarbonize and meet the IMO goals. Because it's quite a confusing area to navigate and uh, what we hope to see is that there will be more transparency in all the measurements and help the stakeholders navigate through and have a transparent platform as well as a clear path towards decarbonization. The theme of having accurate measures and the ability to track emissions was continued by Eric Christofferson, Chief Product Officer at Vessen Nautical. Well, it's certainly a large issue, and I think the challenges really come through in having accurate measures and ways to track in a consistent fashion across many different aspects of the industry, and getting a full view into the overall supply chain for companies. At least that's the challenge we're hearing from a lot of our clients. What I think is encouraging is the amount of collaboration that's happening in the, in the industry. I've found the industry to be quite competitive, but also quite collaborative, especially on this topic. So there are plenty of challenges, but I think that the industry is doing a good job of coming together and working out paths forward, albeit some of those taking longer than many would like. Lastly, we hear from Arlie Sterling, president of Marsoft Incorporated, 
who focused on the role of charterers in decarbonisation rather than that of ship owners or operators. I mean, the main challenge is that most shippers don't want to pay for reducing emissions. The charters uh, for, are in an intensely competitive game and their only measure of success typically is what they pay for the ship, how much CO2 is emitted. That has to change. The charters have to become more sensitive and weigh the cost of CO2 in their chartering decisions. When that happens, when they start doing long-term charters that are sufficiently compensate for the investments required to reduce CO2 emissions, the industry will be on a path to reduce itself. Right now, the charters are the key in that step. It is clear that shipping's path to decarbonization will involve many parties, from the ship owners themselves, to the customers, the regulators, and technological providers, to name but a few. Hopefully, this episode of the Maritime Podcast has given you a snapshot of some of the key issues around the decarbonization of shipping from those involved at the sharp end of the industry. And that's all we have time for on this episode of the Maritime Podcast. If you'd like to hear more from the interviews featured in this podcast episode, please visit seatrade-maritime.com. Thank you for listening.